plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Warriors Plus Minus podcast where we have some stuff to talk about really from here to what forevermore really I mean it's <laughs> this is about to get revved up we got a tornado coming it is uh draft night is about a week away right now November 18th free agency November 20th what a turnaround that's going to be camp December 1st and then the season December 22nd like this thing's really going to get going if you're playing all the way through the finals that's a fast turnaround. I think for everyone else, though, like the Warriors, it's not terrible. Uh, not not quite a fast turnaround. By the way, today, as we're talking November 10th, is the eight-month mark exactly of their last game, March yep. 10th. You know, it does seem fast. It does seem, you know, everything's kind of squeezed into it. But how else were they going to start in, you know, by Christmas? And so, so many of these teams have just been sitting around waiting for things to go. Even the teams that were in the bubble, you know, if you got eliminated, if you didn't make the playoffs or you're eliminating the first round, it's been a couple months. So, you know, teams like Slater covers, the Lakers, it's a quick turnaround. But for, for everyone else, I think we're kind of looking forward to, you know, teams are looking forward. It, it, they're going to complain, right? They're all, teams always complain. Ethan's basketball ops people are going to complain no matter what. But, hey, why, how else are you going to do it? you you, you got to get people signed before you're going to camp, and they're going to camp in December 1, so this thing's got to go fast. Yeah, let's be real. The Warriors haven't played an actual game since October. I mean, they, they've gone through a since long Since Aaron slog. Baines came down on, yes. on Steph's hand, yes. basically. November 4th, was it? <laughs> it has been G League player development for a solid year. And so there is this weird juxtaposition where for the Lakers, it's the fastest turnaround imaginable. But for the Warriors, they've been in the wilderness for so long and it is about damn time. And look, <laughs> part of me wishes that for the first time ever, selfishly, Christmas would not be interrupted by the NBA and you could spend some time with family and whatnot interrupted what i mean it is it is per the tradition per the tradition but the nba can't do that they can't do that they just can't they're in a situation where you can't jettison you don't want to hang around your family anyway don't act like you don't use (laughs) christmas day games as a way to get out of family come on hey don't don't project don't project your situation (laughs) that's what i do it's not a i I admit mine absolutely it's been a couple hours i gotta go things to do (laughs) but the nba can't do that it's not just the tv money i think it's also giving up the territory to the nfl to make Christmas Day, a full NFL day in a situation where the NFL is moving games around. And who knows, maybe they want to move a few on Christmas Day since they have games they're shuffling around. The NBA can't afford to do that. They needed to come back. It had to happen whether these teams complain or not. Slater, can I put on the record that I want Christmas Day games? Let's put this out here. You want it in San Francisco or do you want a road game that you're not going to go to so you can watch it, (laughs) but you don't have to drive to it? No, I mean, I'm, I'm good either way, but, man, there's nothing like it. Like, the noon games are a little harsh. I give you that, right? But, you know, my daughter gets up early enough. But, I don't man, mind, I don't mind waking two? up and tossing on Sixers Celtics as, you know. Oh, absolutely. Know. That's the best part. Oh, they're, they're, not get, they're, they're not moving off. Yeah, they're not moving off of Christmas. And there, there will be NBA games on Christmas for as long as we are working and, and probably long after. By the way, what's our they guess this year? Warriors, Lakers. I mean, yeah, I would say, I, I would that. say Warriors, yeah. Nets. They might go Lakers, Clippers to start. Yeah, I don't know if they, I would say Warriors, Lakers as the featured game. The, you know, like the the one and build everything off of that. Can they that do that without guess. knowing the Warriors are the Warriors though? If I was building the schedule, I'd be more worried about the Lakers not being the Lakers in a sense of like not playing early in the season. LeBron might not be there. Or LeBron might play that one and not the the next 10. But I I can see Warriors. Oh, no, LeBron's showing up on Christmas Day. That's for sure. I think it's going to be Warriors-Lakers, but I would prefer it be Warriors-Nets. There's just so much more uh, anticipation as to what are these teams? What do these guys look like? I well, like the that, Durant, that The Durant-Warriors aspect just immediately vaults that. 
But I see TNT gets some of these games too, you know. We can't give them all to Christmas. And that's like a great, you know, it's a great Tuesday TNT. Everybody's been waiting for it, build up to it. It's January 20th, and Durant comes back to Chase Center. You know, like that's what, wasn't it going to be that way last season, right? I mean, I think they set it up that way last season too. They didn't put But TNT Warriors. get that night, that late Christmas game, right? Don't they get the 530 game? Yeah, but it's not normally that that level. It's not that yeah. level. Yeah, the, the the big one is ABC at two, and I can see that being Warriors Lakers. Yeah, but Warriors Nets gives you more optionality because Lakers anybody is a thing, and you can build around it. I'm trying to think off the top of my head what it would be. Maybe Heat Lakers, right? You know, finals rematch. They like they like doing that. Travel is such an issue this year, though, that I don't think there's going to be cross conference games. I think you go Nets Knicks, you know. Lakers, Clippers, or Lakers, uh, Warriors. I think they keep people close to each other, playing each other. Maybe in like these three-game MLB playoff series where we get Lakers, Warriors on Christmas, and then December 26th, we get Lakers, Warriors again. There's going to be some stuff like that this year. The news I was mentioning, the salary cap officially came out. It's staying exactly the same as last year, which puts the tax line at $132.6 million. The Warriors are going to go way over that, but number two things. The concern was it might dip. It isn't dipping. And then the other big news was they are going to decrease the tax bill by the percentage that the BRI is lower than expected this year. So, I mean, the main thing is, if fans don't come back, if Chase Center isn't full this year, whatever the Warriors' tax bill is will be decreased by some amount, probably a large amount, which obviously should allow the Warriors to be more aggressive than maybe expected in the next two weeks, really. Yeah, and I just say, I mean, that's entirely what is what I expected. They were never going to have a team that planned for a certain number get destroyed by it. And it wasn't just going to be one team. It was going to be five, six, seven, eight, ten teams. You sign Steph Curry to a long-term extension, you're encouraged to do that. They want teams to sign these long-term deals. And then if the budget changes by 20%, you're destroyed. They were never going to do that. And they were. And the other thing is the union was never going to allow this class of free agents to hit free agency and have $0 available. That was never going to happen. So this all makes sense. It'll be a slightly tighter market than it would have been otherwise, but not a huge, massively targeted. And teams that have a lot of money, the Warriors, are going to have the chance to spend this money. They, they'll still be taxed on it. There'll still be penalties. But it won't be this gruesome, oh, they, you know, no, they can't even spend it. They've got to get rid of contracts. That was never going to happen because it just doesn't make sense for the health of the sport. But if you're like Charlotte, this was your chance to level the playing field. You know, if, if you're these small market teams. There's franchises that we're looking at, but even then, they've got long-term deals. Every team's got long-term deals that they budgeted out, and you just can't say, okay, you know what? We're paying this guy $20 million, and now that's going to be instead no, of— No, but they weren't going to spend it anyway. They weren't going to come to the tax anyway, so they're like, man, we were about to be level with the Lakers. Eh, nope. Not so Oops, much. not so much. And uh, you hear it with the NFL. You hear it with, with all salary cap leagues. Oh my God! When the revenues go down, they're all going to be destroyed. No, they're it's not. It's not in the team's interest to destroy themselves. It's just not. You know, they'll have to back end it. They'll, they'll, you know, there's going to be some ways to cut down the percentages, but they'll never say this one year, this one class of free agents, or this one group of teams will be devastated by getting this drop because they ha it hasn't been planned for. You have to allow teams to have a plan and follow a plan over multiple years. That's my that's my spiel. And it works out for the Warriors. <laughs> so, again, they might not spend all that money, but they can. They absolutely can. Let's be real. What's good for the Warriors right now is what's good for the NBA. They need some juice. They need the Warriors doing well. The worst thing for the NBA would be for the Warriors to peter out. I know people might say that we are biased and whatnot for, for obvious reasons since it's the local team, but we've seen it. They need it. It's for the league's overall health, and uh, the owners, everybody should get together and at least realize that crippling their rival might undermine the whole operation at a point where it's very precarious. This puts the pressure on Joe Lacob, though, because it kind of diminishes the excuse that we thought they might have in the next few weeks of like, oh, this absurd tax bill that you're going to have, potentially adding somebody into the trade exception that overall cost you let's say 40 million 50 million and you're not even going to be able to get any money in chase center this year well that takes away that just nightmare scenario but it's not like it's not going to be expensive for joe lake to add you know somebody in the trade exception this is still going to be in a you know crazy price team so 
over the next two weeks, and this is going to come rapid, like I said, draft, free agency, the trade exceptions expiring right away. I'm sure behind the scenes, they've probably calculated it all out and like what meets the threshold of using it or not. But he will now get more local criticism if he doesn't use it, I would say, than if they didn't. As he should, because he can get loans forever. Yeah, they're not like these other teams. Eventually, one day when people are allowed into arenas again, the Warriors will be spectacularly profitable and they can get loans until that day to cover up the gap. And I'm no expert on finances, but I think that's pretty self-evident. So you can't throw away the rest of Steph Curry's career. That's that's as simple as it is. And if he doesn't spend, uh, yeah, he, he should get some criticism. You know what? And that membership money that they took, $300 million, you know, in, in installments, so they don't have it all, but they're getting a lot of They're not giving that back this season. <laughs> you know, that, that money's still there. So this is an immensely profitable team, less so, or to, or maybe not at all for a season or two during the pandemic if there's going to be no fans. But this money's still coming. I, I might have this argument on a podcast with Joe Lacob soon, but I still like it isn't losing money if it's just money that you're not making, right? That like you expect it to make $200 million and you don't make $200 million. You did not lose $200 million. You lost the chance at $200 million. Losing money is when you don't have that money and you have to pay it out. So it's a different thing. I think they're set up well. Again, it has to be the right player. And, and Slater, you're right. I'm sure they've already gamed it out. I'm sure they've made all the calls. I think Hollinger Road or somebody like free agency doesn't start on the 20th free agency started now right i mean they're they're, they're making the conversations now they're figuring out what's available they're if you're a front office available. that isn't tampering right now november 20th is gonna be a whirlwind for you you're gonna be all right ready to make a call wait whoa everybody's off the board yeah, exactly i mean and, and trades and like those things all start now and, and or started two weeks ago so all this stuff's in play. I'm sure they have an idea, and it, it's not going to be for anybody. They're not going to make just randomly assign, an, you know, a 17.2 million dollar exception to anybody. But they have an idea, and yeah, there is pressure on them to add something. You know, it doesn't have to be the whole thing, but add a player who helps. Add a player who helps get Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson in a better position in you know one of their two or three final prime years. Plus, what happened to the money they already made? <laughs> like, where'd that go? Oh, I'm that told go? that went right back into the stadium, right, right back into the arena. You're right. That goes back into the development. But it's they still... had to build a beautiful steakhouse right yeah. under Joe Lakers' <laughs> office. Not open yet, by the way. Not open yet. It, listen, I get ownership has other things, and they have, you know, they borrowed so much money to build this arena. They did it without public financing. But why did you build it? Because you're making a lot of money on it, right? That's You didn't build it out of civic duty. You built it because you can make a lot of money. So they have the chance, and, and I've said this before, you know, in, in a universe of teams constricting and not making a lot of money and worried, the team that decides to spend money this season is going to have an incredible advantage. And the Warriors are in that position. Joe Lickham can be the MVP right now. I feel like they have to. They didn't build Chase to put a six seed in it, you know. If it is, it's rough. Right. And, and I believe it is, you know, if, if 80% of the money comes from ticket sales, then you kind of need to ensure these ticket sales are going to be back and popping as soon as possible. The best way to do that is to put the best team on the court, not to get nervous and back off and put a mediocre team and hope it over. You know what I'm saying? Like they built this thing for Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. So that can't change now, not if you want to get back to where you were. And it sounds like it's necessary for them to get back to where they were. And they will, but they just can't build this thing and then say, all right, we're cool with being an eight seed. I don't think they're thinking the current roster is an eight seed, but if you got a chance to ensure it's not, you kind of got to take that, it's at least in the immediate future. Yeah, well, so what's interesting, though, is I, I think wider scope, they've already proven they're going to pay. I mean, they have four guys making $130 million, which is crazy, and they're not trying to sell off any of those guys. The biggest question is, right now is that's trade exception, and like, what is, like I said, what's that threshold? Where I agree that I think you guys are correct on the broader conversation. They have to spend. They have to show the aggressiveness. But if we're really talking about a $50 million bill for Rudy Gay, I mean, like what what would you advise them to do? Would you say, yes, yeah, spend all that for I a say trade for Drew Holiday and let it expire. <laughs> Drew Holiday doesn't fit into it. 
I know. That's what I'm saying. Trade for him, and he becomes that exception, and now you've basically yes. done it. Okay. The bridge. You're talking about the bridge. James Johnson's an even better bridge because he makes $16 million, which gives you more flexibility, but he sucks. Uh, or he's not that good. Uh, he would probably whoa. not even... Aggregate, aggregate, look, aggregate. Look, look, look what not... happens when we, when we don't have to deal with them in person. I mean, just we can, <laughs> we can just say it. Yeah, I've said it about Warriors players while they were in the locker room with me. So, <laughs> Jacob Evans, here's what we think about how you've been playing. <laughs> but they better really have that deal lined up. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but, you know, listen, the pick is, you know, we, we were talking around it, but the pick is involved with that too, and I think they would be very interested in moving that pick if they could get somebody that would really make a difference. I think you got to get somebody better than Holiday, I think. For the pick, yeah, but not just in general. I wouldn't say better. I would say younger because I think he's really good. Yeah, he's top oh, yeah, 30, yeah. 35 player, but he's 30 years old. So that part I get. You know, he's With one year of team control. One yeah, and he's 6'3", and he's not, you know, he's not a guy that, hey, there's LeBron's going hot now. Go get him, uh, Drew. Although he guarded Durant, so yeah, I was about you know, to say he yeah, gave no, no. Durant. I mean, he can do a lot of things. I'm saying, I mean, if if Holiday was 28 and had two years left, I'd say do whatever you can to get him. But at 30 with one year left, yeah, then then I I don't know if the two is for sure. Although, you know that Zach Lowe comment that you know the Warriors seem to be valuing next that Timberwolves pick more than this year's pick, which I agree with. And in fact, I mean, I think Ethan said it over and over again. It is more valuable. But just for him to say that means it's out there and that they could trade this pick easily. You know, again, holidays is, is borderline to, to not, but there might be somebody that we don't even know about that might be available for that too. I, I'm in favor more so of trading the 2021 pick because it is that for shiny value, object. For the value. Yeah. It's I the, agree. It's, it's that shiny object and you're waiting a full more year for that player to come in and help your core, which is aging. So... It seems to me like it's the more logical pick to trade. And then, look, you grimace and you take your shot and you hope that you're right in this draft that people are very uncertain about. But it seems as though you just can't get great value trading a top five pick in 2020 like you can in 2021. And at the end of it all, I mean, you you wonder if the bloom comes off the rose a bit. Everybody thinks that all these guys in the lottery, these athletic wings in 2021 are the next superstar, but we haven't seen them in any kind of competitive setting. So eventually, if we start seeing that, you might see a lot of guys people thought were good, aren't that good. It seems like the value of the 2021 draft might be at its peak, is what I'm saying. And you don't even know what the pick is, by the way. I mean, you know, the Timberwolves might, yeah, might end up with the 11th worst record, and it's not that great a pick, by the way. I'm glad you guys made that point because that's where I was going to go with it. I understand the idea of floating out there that look at this value, like, you know, look at next year's draft. But what is more likely that the Warriors get somebody at two? Let's say Wiseman, let's say Edwards, whoever you want to say. It becomes an all-star or would you right now bank on wherever that Minnesota pick lands that they find someone that's going to become an all-star? First of all, they cannot get a top three pick in next year's draft. If Minnesota gets that, it's protected. That protection's huge in terms of the pick's value. And you wonder if that was just this game of chicken between uh, Grissom Rosas and, and, and Bob Myers, where the idea that it cannot be Cunningham, that it can't be, you are not getting Gabe Cunningham. It is not <laughs> happening. There is no Slater's already got Slater's already got him. Oh wait a minute! Yeah, Oklahoma <laughs> I'm actually wearing an Oklahoma State sweatshirt right now. They, I believe they tip off in two weeks at Arlington. Unless there's some crazy scenario where Cunningham's agent says he will intentionally injure himself if you pick him and don't let him be drafted by the Warriors. I'll map the path out to Cade Cunningham right now. He has such a terrific time in Stillwater, Oklahoma. He says, "You know what? I'm going to stay for my sophomore year." <laughs> and the, the Wolves get a top three pick so that gets pushed to 2022 when Cade Cunningham would be the number one pick because it does become an unprotected pick if, if the Wolves don't convey it. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. It's interesting. I mean, I mean, maybe I, I, I just tripped on this. Maybe, maybe the Zach Lowe thing is the Warriors trying to get interest in that 2021 pick. If they like where they're at at two and they think it's Wiseman, which we all think, or whoever, and then you can add a veteran by not trading the two. You get out of that question mark, you know, 2021 pick with, with Minnesota and you move it for, I don't know, I mean, somebody better than Drew Holiday. That's not terrible. That is not terrible. That's not a terrible combination. Now, again, I can't tell you who that player would be. But, I mean, Ben Simmons, I don't guess it won't be Ben Simmons, but that level of player. 
That would be like one workout changing the whole tenor of how they was approaching this because it it wasn't that long ago the next year's pick was everything and it was the greatest pick of all time. It was a, 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 a the future a cool... of the franchise. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's our next great player. Yep. Now it's like, yeah, we kind of like the two this year. <laughs> the basketball world is all about 2021. And it's unusual. Like the amount of athletic wing talent in 2021, the way it's talked about, I, it, it isn't. It isn't a usual circumstance. And I was just saying, hey, maybe the bloom will come off the rose. But I'm also here to say that the rose is very rosy right now to GMs across the league. Steph could just uh, get another hand injury in, in <laughs> December 25th, and the Warriors tank this season, and then you get Wiseman with it too. You get the young veteran you trade for already, and then their own pick is in one, two, and three. Ah, yeah, that's the, the way process. to get Cade Cunningham is you tank yeah. this season. That's Bob the Myers does does the does the, the the process, and yeah, I'm sure that would really go over well at Chase Center too. By the way. <laughs> another another 15 and 50 season. Speaking of Wiseman. There's a better than 50% chance that pick is between like 8 and 14, though. I mean, that, it would be threading such a needle. I, you know what? I think they, they, they kind of stink, man. I don't then, know. Well, then then, <laughs> then it's then it's potentially one one through three. And, you know, what? it's such a needle to thread because of the protection. I really think that like the Timberwolves history suggests that it's it's like between four and ten. You know, that's, that's Timberwolf-y to, to my mind. They're about to add the first overall pick to... You know, obviously Towns and, and Russell. I think they'll win thirty something games. Well, I guess it's a seventy two game season, so that takes on a different meaning. I don't know what a pro rated thirty something. Yeah, pro rated. There you go, Marcus. You were about to mention James Wiseman. I love draft rumors. So, uh, Rod Beard of the Detroit News is reporting uh, the Hornets are trying to trade up to number one to get James Wiseman, which the Wolves would do because they could get whoever they want at number three. Uh, that that would be an interesting scenario if somebody jumps ahead and grabs James Wiseman. I think they'd like it if they did it, Edwards. If somebody jumped and grabbed Edwards. If you're Wiseman's agent, don't you maybe go, uh, yeah, he might develop a tendonitis and it's going to be hard for him to come into camp. You know, oh, it's you're like just, it's just slaying the Timberwolves, Ethan. You consistently no, no, no. I'm talking about the, oh, these other the new Hornets. Timberwolves. The Hornets. I'm sorry. The Horn- okay, the, well, yeah, yeah, the Timberwolves and the Hornets. The both yeah, of I'm those say- teams. I'm saying the Hornets. I'm saying if you're James Wiseman's agent, and I don't know what he wants necessarily, but I'd imagine that he would prefer the Warriors to the Hornets. And you wonder if it's it's one of those circumstances, and agents do this, it's been done with Porzingis and some other players, where it's suggested, hey, don't do that. <laughs> Steph Curry. Steph Curry might have done that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, it's one thing still, if the they Wolves... They still drafted him. Yeah, it's one thing if the Wolves pick him, but we're they not going to go with any of this. begging, Larry <laughs> Riley, please don't draft <laughs> Do yeah. not do this. I could see that. I don't know what Charlotte... You know, is there a huge value for them to get for, for, go from three to one? We've all reported. Maybe it's our fault because we're, we're all pretty consistent thinking that Wiseman is a logical Warriors pick. So maybe that that's what moves Charlotte to have to move from three to one. I would think they would have thought that anyway. But I don't know. What, do you, what are you really giving up to do that? I mean, is, say you get Lamont Ball at three. Isn't that not terrible for them? And you go find a center another way. Uh, unless Wiseman's really that good. You know, th- there's all kinds of little machinations there. But... I think it's probably not going to happen that way. I just, I don't know. It just seems like they don't have what it takes to move from three to one. Or, or if it, if they did, it's too much to give up to get James Wiseman. Uh, it just, it just seems natural to me at Wiseman at two. Maybe I'm just talking myself into this too much. Let's kind of broaden it out and look at some of the draft scenarios. And I guess we can call it a mini draft preview. But it seems pretty clear in the weeks leading up that a draft that we didn't think had tears in the lottery has kind of created some tears where it seems like everyone pretty much agrees that the top three is the top three in whatever order with Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, which means even if the Warriors like Avija, that he probably wouldn't fit it too. Maybe that's a trade back, trade back to John Hollinger floated an interesting trade idea with trade with Chicago at four and Wendell Carter. You flip Wendell Carter and Kevon Looney and you flip two and four. That's not a bad trade. It's not a bad trade for the Warriors. It's a good trade (laughs) for the Warriors. I I was like, well, Chicago must really like Edwards or Ball. Who do we want to start with? I want somebody to take the argument for each one of these top three. Who wants to make the argument for why the Warriors at two should take LaMelo Ball? Okay, I'll try. I'm taking a crack at it. Go ahead, Ethan. Okay. Even though you hate Ball. (laughs) My crack at it is this. 
he has the most trade value if he pops. If you think the Warriors need to make a trade eventually, because they need to get everybody in on that timeline, everybody needs to line up the latter prime timeline of the core of the Warriors. If LaMelo Ball pops, and he will be helped by all that spacing, by being flanked by Steph Curry, by being flanked by Klay Thompson, if he shows out and he's just racking up assists and he has that star quality that, frankly, the other players in this draft, at least right now, don't appear to have, then you could get a whole lot for him if you make that difficult decision. I think that's the best argument for taking him, all things equal. Marcus, you sound like you wanted to back that up. That's actually a good point. Uh, For some reason, I mean, because he's good, but people just are really high on his sheer talent, right? Just raw ability in an age where we just watched Tyler Hero look great in the playoffs, right? And we just watched some of these younger guys produce at levels above what you expect. I think it helped make people say, well, man, LaMelo, uh, he's kind of got that kind of skill. So I think the case for LaMelo would be you put this dude with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, and if his shot has any, like, workability, you might have your next star guard. And I do think that's important for the Warriors. I do think in how they play and who they are, the, like, ethos of the team, like, you need a star guard. I mean, as much as they need it, they could use a big man. Like, this is who they are. And at some point, they'll need somebody who can kind of captivate the crowd. I do think they need to find that next star. And, you know, obviously, you get one who's already established, fine. But if you're looking at who Warriors fans might fall in love with and go crazy again for, it might be the dude who can, like, add some extra to the game and not, not a guy like, I don't know. I don't know if Edwards has that. And Wiseman, big men just don't have yeah, it. Yeah, so, big men never have I mean, well, here, they don't have it. It's so. a little dangerous to do this, but okay, give me a LaMelo Ball comp. At top end, what is he? Jason Kidd, maybe? I don't oh, know. man. Yeah, he's not that diff- Yeah, Rick, Rick, Ricky Rubio, I would, I'd say Ginobili maybe a little bit. I, I don't know. Like, you know, somebody kind of slithers inside the lane a little bit. Mu- but- much more of an aggressive three-point shooter, which, if he becomes 40%. Ricky Rubio with a step back. Is, yeah, but certainly is not, the def- not the defensive of, of Rubio, though. So. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, we didn't know Rubio had that defense. I don't see. I don't. Yeah, this is yeah. where I. This is where I push back, though. Like we're talking about a 19-year-old, and we have the walking evidence of a dude we never thought we'd saw Steph Curry become this. Like, like you're comparing who he is right now at 19 to a 25-year-old. Like we just don't know. If you're a front office, you have to have some type of confidence in your ability to develop. Otherwise, what are you doing? You can only take ready now players. Who have the Warriors developed, by the way, lately? They you, haven't you had a they top don't think, pick. You though. think they don't, they don't think have. they have confidence though? <laughs> I'm gonna say, I know, Draymond I know. Green. Yeah, Draymond that Green. That was in 20, 2013 or whatever well, that was. Let, yeah. Let's do the scouting report. Okay, so so Lamelo, great in passing lane. He knows where plays are going. He's good at getting steals. The issue, though, and I don't know if we want to chalk this up to him being 19 or what, is that he just takes entire possessions off where he puts his hands on his knees and doesn't care, which has me concerned about him and why I'm not which as is every high NBA on star. <laughs> no, not 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 to this degree. No, no. I, I when I say hands on knees, I'm not talking. Is that metaphor- not why you rip Westbrook and Harden? No, 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 no. I'm not talking metaphorically. I'm talking literally on possessions. He'll just put his hands on his knees and not even participate in the play. You don't tend to see that, really. And this is not in a Westbrook 75 games or however much he's playing season. This is in the Australian League where they, they barely ever play. I mean, so you we might chalk it up to youth or immaturity or what, but that is certainly a concern, and I don't know how to project that into what his defense is. He clearly has defensive skills. He's skinny, which is a problem, but the effort is the big deal right now when we talk about how he's playing. What scares me with him is like we don't know if the shot's going to be there. He's going to take it. We don't know. Probably not going to be a, a great NBA 3. He might be a willing NBA 3-point shooter, but not a great one. 31% it, shooter yeah, it, who takes the, eight a game. It is the Absolutely. finishing. That's you know, very the, feasible. The Ethan videos I watched of him scared me a lot of just not finishing through contact. In fact, seems to shy away from contact. And if you're six foot seven or whatever he is, and you're a 31% three point shooter, 
I want you to finish. I want you to w- need to finish. I want you to have to finish. Like Steph could always finish, right? I mean, that's just one thing he's got. And Ginoblia, who is a name I brought up, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think of a guy who can get through into the lane, can make creative passes, but also you, the defense has to defend him because he can finish. I'm not sure Ball is that guy. And maybe I can make that declaration that when he's 19, or maybe I can't. But that worries me about him. I get the passing, the playmaking, the vision, the length, the non-three-point shooting, reliable, and the inability to finish scares me. Like, I just don't, like, at some point, Rubio was limited because he couldn't shoot. And I worry that that LaMelo Ball is going to be an effective NBA player, but there will be a ceiling on him because he doesn't, both of those two things, he doesn't shoot above 34% from three, and he doesn't finish. There's my spiel on him. I think those are real. I think like his shooting is a real question mark. I just don't think general managers go into this like, well, this is who he is now and we can't develop anything. They're thinking, okay, he doesn't have this, but we can give him, we can work on that. We don't have this, we can work on that. Now the question is which things are actually workable and which things are pipe dreams. And that's what you got away. But the idea that who he is at 19 is who will be at 25. Like Clay couldn't do any of this stuff, none of it. And you know what I'm saying? So, so at some point, this is what I'm saying about when you look at Lamelo, why he's so like enticing. You got a six for seven guy who can pass, who could dribble, who like isn't afraid. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just got that kind of moxie on the court. You know, he's willing to take the shot. I could see people saying, "Yeah, you know what, man? If you, you put some new tires on him, put some new rims on him, he might be nice." So the other players, I don't know if you feel that kind of like, I got to see this dude play. I mean, there's an element of, you know, you just go to YouTube and see who's got the most videos. People like watching Melo. They You're like right. watching him. They love Lon- They love Lonzo too, and then Lonzo quickly lost that luster because he I just agree wasn't. With you know why? The shot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the you shot. Got, if you can't, you got to make the shot again. And then so much got to make the shot. Yeah, so much is making the shot. Jordan Poole, if he could make thirty-two percent of his threes, would be an entirely different player than the way we view. We him find now. a way that's to a change big, Jordan Poole every pod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's part of the drinking game as well. Yeah. Jordan Poole, Jacob Evans, yeah, Bing Bing. Do you think, uh, do you think but, Sam Presti trades up to get Lamella? There you go. <laughs> Sounds mm, mm. Um, one thing. One thing I would say about. Lamelo, and this would be the argument against him. I think of the three, and we're talking about these top three because this is the this is where the Warriors are. He ha- to me has by far of the three the biggest bust potential, the lowest floor. I mean, the guy of the three who I could see four years from now being like, "Wow, that guy went one." You know, he's like almost out of the league. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't also have a high ceiling, maybe just as high as the other two. You know, and that's to me the floors pretty clearly are Lamelo has the lowest. Edwards has the second lowest, and Wiseman has the highest floor of the three. He's the safest because, like, at his size and mobility, it's almost a guarantee the guy's at least a rotation center for 14 years. You cannot tell me LaMelo is definitely a rotation guard for the next decade. I think fit is a bigger question, is a question too. Like, I don't think they could get somebody who could just not play for two years. And I wonder where does he fit right now? You know, does he come in and take Kai Bowman's place as like the backup point guard? I also think, you know, one of the big concerns we haven't talked about, but, you know, the whole ball experience and bringing his dad to town, I don't think it's a deterrent. But if you're on the Steve fence, Kerr has some type of say in this draft room, I assume. Not the, not no, the no final question. say, but. You know, you shouldn't totally draft, especially way at the top, based on what you have on your roster. You should just try to get the best player, and I think they're in that business. But I think adding Andrew Wiggins kind of changes. Do you want LaMelo Ball and Andrew Wiggins on the floor a lot together? I mean, that changes who they are. You know, we talk about this team that's, you know, again, when they were at their best. uh, And they've done this, right, with the non-shooters on the floor? Yeah, and and you you got these two erratic shooters who aren't known for their defense. Again, we're hearing better things about Wiggins, but you're not. They're not. They're not known for that. Known for taking plays off, and you're putting two of them on the floor together now. And two of your most talented players are are that. That's getting so far away from the Warriors we've known and the Warriors they still they believe they are. And I would go with Edwards in that same category. There, you know, like. Man, if he's going to score 25 a game, how many shots is he going to take, guys? Especially early in his career. Yeah, he's going to take up so many possessions that could be going to Steph, that could be going to Clay, that could be Draymond working at the top and finding a a lane. And 
instead it would be okay stop Edwards dribble around six times and then we figure out what happens and that's not the Warriors and especially when you have Wiggins I could see if you didn't have Wiggins and you could say okay we're gonna go 15 possessions a game it's just gonna be this guy and Wiggins kind of needs to be like that well then you can add another guy like that that's tough for me to see that and so I would put Edwards there for sure as a possessions eater LaMelo differently because he passes the ball more but those are two things when once you add a Wiggins, and you, you even before that with, with D'Angelo, he was one of those guys too. It's just tough to see how that all connects with this Warriors roster at this high a pick. Who wants to make the argument for Anthony Edwards? Do you want to make it, Mark? <laughs> we, we need an argument. And for obviously, it won't be me. I could. Yeah, I mean, I me could. <laughs> all right. Well, the Warriors definitely need a superior athlete, like, period. They need a superior athlete, they could use one on the wing. Like, this is all projecting that Ron Adams and the Warriors system and, and he's a, a willing learner, uh, assuming, like, they can work on his defense. He can be a guy who's so athletic that you can put him on some of the better guys. That's a body that, especially two, three years down the line, if he's developed and he understands the Warriors scheme, you could throw him at players because he's that exceptional athletically. And they just don't have that. They don't have that in the backcourt it's tough to think the last time they had it like unless you if you're counting wiggins kevin you durant count, the backcourt yeah you gotta count wiggins that's what i was th- i'm thinking yeah. like guards like not okay. not really yeah. threes but on, yeah on, if you mean, put the yeah. if you put that three on the wing yeah that's probably andre iguodala yeah, younger uh, andre younger andre for sure yeah they don't have a dude who could t- one dribble explode right or in transition like the defender is at a disadvantage because he is just athletically inferior to who the Warriors got coming down like that is something they just they don't have they haven't had it and they actually need it and they've been needing it so when, when you look at these backcourt players like the way they walked away from Anthony Edwards was like yo this dude is a beast he's a monster now I think what Slater said was actually quite prophetic. It might come down to who Steve Kerr likes the least, or, or you know, or oh, not dis- the dislikes least. Like, the, yeah, dislikes the dislikes least. the least. Yeah, yeah, dislikes the least. So it might be like, yeah, Steve Kerr, and with Kerr, who knows what that is? He just might say, yeah, this guy can pass. I want to pass it right, or we need some athleticism. But the case for Edwards is to is to really athletically improve your backcourt to give you a a, a guy who could be. If he's engaged and locked in, a good perimeter defender and a dude with some bounce and some explosiveness, you know, the Thunder used to run this play, Slater, you know this play, right? And it, used to, it, it will alternate between Kevin Durant or Westbrook, but they be in a, in a corner, they run the, the action to the right, and that guy in the corner will sneak back door and catch the lob. And I'll see Kevin Durant throw this lob to Westbrook, you know, and Westbrook would come out seemingly out of nowhere and dunk it. You've I just hear Brian Davis talking like as you say that, though, like, the rattlesnake jam. <laughs> like, the Warriors, when the Warriors had a guy like that, I mean, they do have, like, Andre could finish that Draymond three on two, you know what I'm saying, or four on three where he throw the lob. Like, Andre could do that, but who's coming, like, backdoor out of nowhere? I think Edwards could be that guy. Is that enough? I don't know, but that that's my pitch for him. Do you guys watch that t- televised workout, by the way, the clutch workout? I flipped it on, and it was so boring. I just couldn't really do it. And it was so manufactured. It was manufactured. It was TV. But I did think, man, he doesn't look as explosive as I thought I'd heard. He was 50% on two-point shots. I mean, he he got he got fouled a little bit. I think he – I'm not looking at it, but maybe he had around five free throws a game. But he did not score with efficiency. You know, the athleticism that was there did not translate – to getting easy buckets and i mean he got some steals but he didn't rack them up i mean even at georgia it only popped up like every now and then right like every 37 now and then on michigan state play. 37 on yeah it'd michigan be like state every state. now and then he'd have this play where you're like yo this dude is next level but it wasn't like you could see it in his bounce like in his walk that's the weird what's part. the comp like what are we talking about when we talk about him are we talking about john wall I mean, what do we? No, that's not John Wall. Well, John, well, John Wall, yeah. well, John Wall could pass. He didn't pass either. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's, he's not that kind of athlete. He, you know, didn't he's pass, thicker. didn't he's guard, didn't that. shoot. I mean, that's that's kind of. I know he's a freshman. I know you can be wrong on these things when a guy is so young. Marcus, how about this? How about Rodney Stuckey? Rodney Stuckey. About, I was thinking yeah, it. Yeah, I that's was thinking that's it. my comp for him. The big you know, body, strong yes, guard. Yep. Yes. Yep. 
And yeah, Donovan Mitchell would be high, 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 high. Oh, depot. Yeah. Oh, not that kind of passer. Not, yeah, not that kind of passer. Like, you see him say more, he wants to be Dwayne Wade. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a scorer, score, make a shot, you know, create a shot, maybe pass it to you know. But it's, I think he he really looks to me like a six man, you know. And there's very very valuable six men in the league, but. And may, so maybe he closes for you, including yeah, one you want but, to put in the Hall of Fame, which is who? Which one? Andre. Oh, oh, Andre. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, but he's a very different six man than Andre. But he's he's like he's a like he's a guy when your top scores are resting, he goes gets fifteen possessions. He's not one of your top guys, but he's your third guy. If there's value in that. I don't know if there's great value in that for the Warriors though, because they they got some guys that they want to, they want to use all the possessions, and they could use a complimentary guy and and not someone you just have to stop the offense and say you go 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 ahead. I mean Steph's gonna play 36 minutes, so that's 12 minutes where the guy's gonna be the number one offense score if he's very good. This is where I have he'll some be off the ball there. anyway, so it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be standing in the corner and say, okay, once you're done over there, you can get it to me. Tim has previously made the best argument for Edwards, which is five years from now, he's the yes. best player from this draft. Yes. Five yes. years think, from now, think, he's the one that gets yeah. the max. I think it's most likely, he's most likely to be the, the guy who gets the max in, in five years. Yes, I agree with uh, that. The Donovan Mitchell comp's interesting. You know, I'd forgotten that Donovan Mitchell had only shot 40%, near 41% from the field as a sophomore at Louisville before getting picked. So I, I guess there's hope. There is hope for that Edwards projection. I just, it's a situation where, you just wish that he had done better. <laughs> if he had done better, it would be an easier choice. It would be an easier decision. But part of me just feels, I know this isn't the most pragmatic view, but if you're going to take a risk like this, you might as well have it be fun and go ball, you know? <laughs> well, here's what, let, me change, let, let me add another layer to that thing I said about, you know, in five years, he's probably going to be the guy most likely to get a, a, a max contract. That's the way I, I phrased it. Is it, you know... In the post-Curry era, which we're talking four or five years, so let's just be safe on that, he's the one who's most likely to be out of this draft. It's like, okay, you can. this is a, a feature player. But how good are you if Anthony Edwards is your feature player ever? That's the problem I have. With it. Like, you know, There's a whole lot of mediocre teams that have pretty good number one offensive threats. And they're not very good overall as a team. I mean, Wiggins got a max, right? Exactly. It's <laughs> you know? like he's that kind of player. He's he's into that. He's a guy the Kings would end up giving a max contract. That's what I think about. You know, like he's a guy the Pistons would end up giving a max contract. Is he a guy that would fit into a winning the you know a Heat? Would he be the guy the Heat give a max contract to? No. That's my feeling on him. Now that, that doesn't mean I think the other guys are that, but I, I think Edwards is just a guy who's going to get you some points. He's going to hold you together. He's not Corey Maggetti, but I see some Maggetti in him. There's going to be numbers, and then you're going to go, what does it really mean at the end? The, that, that's my feeling on him. I think with him and Ball, one of the big questions, especially for the Warriors, is how would they handle not being the guy and not getting the ball like they like they want? I think that's a huge consideration because, you know, you walk into the Warriors, it's just not happening. Like, it's not happening. You feel like Wiseman, that's an easier sell because he's a big dude. And it's like, yo, you get your touches when we Catch give them off. to you. Get rebounds. You know what I'm saying? But, like, yeah, if, you, if you're if you LaMelo and you got 15 minutes off the bench and you got to run the offense and this is not going to be your show, how does he handle that? If you're Anthony Edwards, how do you handle it? Even, like, Pascal, like, you know, like he got that rare opportunity to just be the man, right? And like, 25 shots a game like from what we know of him he'll handle it fine but it's gonna be a transition they kind of have to read that because people are just life is different playing next to Stephen Clay and we've seen a lot of guys not handle it well yeah the other the other part to go off that and this is the term of the week here transition of power it's not gonna be two years of Steph Curry and then suddenly you're the man like Steph Curry is going to be the man for the Warriors for what are we all guessing at least the next four to five years at least and well he's going to sign another contract in a couple of years you would think and that contract's not going to be a minimum deal so this isn't Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua you know this isn't like hey come in and yeah it's going to be Curry but you know we're going to kind of shift it towards you and you're going to take the franchise like I do think they need to find the next franchise superstar but this is still Steph Curry's show for a while longer than these young top three prospects 
you know, particularly guards, as we're mentioning, typically want. And that's, again, I mean, we can move to the Wiseman portion of this. We don't really have to go too deep into it because I think we've, we're all continually come to more of an agreement that he seems like Ethan, the obvious pick. Ethan, now you, 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 you're the last one on board. Are, on we, are we four or four here, Ethan? I'm on the Wiseman wagon. I mean, look. They're not going to try my crazy Killian Hayes gambit. I know that. I can see that. So in the realm of realistic possibilities, Wagon sounds fairly safe. It sounds highest floor or whatever. High ceiling, too. It's a high floor, but I think there's not as much a discussion about the ceiling is is there. I mean, the defensive player of the year potential. I'm not saying he's going to be, but like, you know, would you absolutely stun if this guy's in the defensive player of the year conversation six years from now? Caveats abound because we really didn't get to see anything from him at all. But it's not like we saw anything much out of all these other guys. Lomelo Ball's Australia tape. Anthony Edwards at Georgia. Like, you better check out that social media. James Edwards jumpers. If we're going off tape, they should take Obi Toppin. I was going to raise the Obi Toppin possibility because that's an interesting one. It's a little out of the box. These guys we're talking about right now, they're all imaginarily great. They didn't do it. You know, LaMelo Ball didn't do it. I know people like his highlights, but his stats out in Australia, not great. Bad efficiency. I think in, what, 48% true shooting out there? Anthony Edwards did not score with efficiency. Wiseman, maybe he would have done it, but he didn't get to play that season, so we don't know. Obi Toppin was the best offensive player in college basketball, and I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close at all. I don't think anybody got there. Now, does he have deficiencies and downsides? Yeah, he runs a little herky-jerky. It's not totally clear what his position is, but you're looking at a guy who can pick and pop, he can shoot the three, and he can finish lobs and would fit seamlessly, at least offensively, it would appear uh, with Steph and Clay and on those ball screens. And it would be obvious what he would be doing from day one. So I think the Obi Toppin scenario might be an underrated scenario and might require some more consideration. We're talking about guys who at best are going to come in taking a backseat role, right? A supporter role. And Obi Toppin might be one of them dudes who dropped 20 a game off, off out the gate. And everybody's going to be like, why you didn't take Obi Toppin like, while uh, Anthony Edwards is on the bench? If he gets minutes and opportunities like we assume he's going to get, I, I mean, he might be the rookie of the year favorite. But here, here's a question. Is he definitely, no question, better than Eric Pascal? He overlaps too much with him. I know. I'm, it's like I mean, he is better, but he isn't that much better. <laughs> you know, that's the problem I have with it is – like, you got one of those guys, and you've got Draymond plays that position, too. I, I, so. I would say he's more offensively talented than Eric Pascal. I would say yes, that Yes, I'd agree with that. But, you know, we've seen Pascal do it in the league, and we've seen it Pascal be okay defensively already, So, which we don't know about Toppin. So I, I just have a problem with that major overlap. And, and, you know, God bless Pascal, but we know there's a ceiling to him, and there's a ceiling to Toppin. And then if you start doing that with a number two overall pick, eesh, you know, then you really, and you know, and Wiggins you acquired and there's a ceiling to him. And then, then you all of a sudden you put, you got all these ceilings on a team that needs kind of top end talents. And I think as Marcus is saying, you know, somebody who just looks the part of a top end elite player to take him to lift up what they got now and, and to be better when, you know, when their top guys are, have moved on. The overlap concerns me. It certainly does. And it also concerns me that Toppin averaged ah, about a steal a game and 1.2 blocks. You want more than that defensively when you're taking a draft pick at, at that position. And so those are the downsides. But I would say <laughs> if that was two steals and two blocks, I would say no-brainer take Toppin. That's really what's making me hesitate and saying take Toppin or, or those stats. And his wingspan, we're in this goofy zone where we haven't had a combine and we don't know. It's like, according to rumor, it seems to be between 7'2". Yeah, and we don't know how tall Anthony Edwards is. Yeah, like, yeah, we don't. We, like we the don't. Of the NBA. Now, now, the Warriors know because I think they measure these guys uh, when they work out with them. I think they had their the combine already, right? They just had it yeah. virtually. And not too many guys showed up and, and whatnot. But yeah, I would say take top and no-brainer if those metrics, which do seem to be important, you know, they are measures of athleticism in a way. If those are a little higher, I would say do it just because, I mean, it's the full offensive package. He's got the post game. He does pass. He is a rim runner. And that shot from three is nice. I think, God, what did he shoot from three? It wasn't anything amazing, but, oh, yeah, it was 39%. 
you know, I just wonder because he's a little bit older and a little bit shorter than you would want from a big and he played at Dayton. I do wonder if he is the unheralded guy. He's the guy who will fall and people say, why the hell did he fall? Because unlike these other guys, he did do it. He did do it at a high level. He's going to make people wonder why he fell if he falls. No question. No question. He's that kind of player. No question. If the Warriors stay at two, but they reach out of this widely agreed upon top three, I actually don't think it'll be top. And I think we all get the sense it would probably be Avija, who they do like, we all know. But when Steph Curry gets hurt, they assume they're going to be in the lottery. They spend all year scouting all the lottery picks. But I don't, you know, particularly early on, the expectation wasn't, oh, they're definitely going to be like the worst team in basketball. It was probably like, yeah, they might be heading for the seventh worst record and like a seventh pick, eighth pick. I feel like they really scouted those like mid-lottery guys, the Halliburtons. I know for a fact that they like Okoro we've talked about. But the interesting thing is they've now been plugged into this too, where there's a lot of guys they really like, but it just would be such a reach it to, do we all think that if they do reach, it would be Avija? And how likely do you think it is that they go out of this top three? Avija is another one of those guys where it's imaginarily, which I'm not even sure is a word, imaginarily great. He's another guy where he didn't really do it at a top level. And everyone says it's almost like with a band where they say, did you check out their old work? Did you check out that that album that uh, didn't go platinum, that they recorded in the garage? And it's like that with the Israeli league. You say, hey, I looked at Avija in EuroLeague, and he could barely get off the bench. And people go, oh, you have to see the Israeli league stuff. And fair enough, but man, is that a risk. When you're taking a guy who didn't do it at the EuroLeague level, but he did it in Israel, which isn't even, I think, a top 10 league in the world, that would be quite the risk. I mean, he would have had to blow them away beyond what could even be imagined, beyond what Ian Leon did to that chair for the Warriors to pick him that high. I mean, that's just my take off the bat, as intriguing a talent as he might be. You know them, they, they kind of like the creative picks, so that's why I would say Avija would be the out. Like, if Wiseman's off the board, they're staring at Ball and, and Edwards, and they're not in love with that, and, like, they can't make a trade down. I, I, I think they clearly would want to trade down at that point. No matter what, they want to trade down, but if Wiseman's off the board. I just feel Avija because he's just a, kind of a more mysterious kind of cool pick, and I do see, you know, you see teams kind of moving that way. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea. What would he look like on the court? I mean, would he look like Smile? or would he look like you know i don't know joe ingles was the comp that i was given and it was just such a but that might just show the difference in how the europeans and israelis view the game of basketball maybe joe ingles is considered if joe ingles was in this draft right now where does he go like like knowing what you know about joe ingles career he goes like 11th maybe yeah 10th i was gonna say 10th 11th Here's an exercise. Let's get our comps down with all these guys. Because maybe that alters. The comps are never perfect, but maybe that alters how we perceive things um, and organizes a little bit. I think James Wiseman, what do we say? Chris Bosch? Is that what we're going for? Chris Bosch is the optim- absolute high let's level. Go, of, well, let's go optimistic. Yeah. Let's go Bosch. optimistic with these things. Okay. LaMelo. Man, that one, you got, you got to choose one guy for LaMelo. Uh, not Jason Kidd. I mean, I I said Ginobili. You guys don't agree with me, but that's the one I got for him. Ginobili with the jumper. No, I like Ginobili. Yeah, I mean Ginobili's incredible. It's it just it it fits for me. Just the eye for me on that one. But go ahead, Anthony Edwards. I struggle with that one. I don't know. I mean, if we're going high stealing, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is a good one. Okay, good good job. Okay, and then um, Toppin. uh, I think Amari Stoudemire. That's the. Oh, no, he um, doesn't have that athleticism, though. Jeez. Yeah. Come on now. Oh, How about come like. On. He's dunking on people like that? Let me tell you some Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin has had a breakaway between the leg dunks on fast breaks. He's got some athleticism. Yeah, but that's different than Amari Stoudemire. Strauss going to be calling for Toppin by draft night, I think. Talking myself at the top. Hey, we're shading it optimistic with these comps, right? If you can give me something better for Toppin right now, then go go right ahead. I'm not saying he's going to— I mean, we did say Chris Bosh on James Wiseman, so we are being pretty bold here. Yeah, yeah. So Toppin, Amare. I'm going I'm going Amare. And I'm not saying that that's him, but, you know, I think— But then we get to Avija. TK's going, going David Lee, clearly. Then we go to Avija. Toppin. <laughs> then we go to Avija and it's Joe Ingles. <laughs> I don't know. I heard that. somebody say Dario Saric. <laughs> yeah, I, I said. I said. I looked at him. Yeah, I looked at him. I saw Saric, and I li- and I like Saric, so I kind of like that. But that's one. not a second pick. <laughs> that is- yeah, no, not a second pick though. Not a second pick. 
Yeah, if it's Joe Ingles and, and I'm going and with Turkaloo. I'm going with Hito Turkaloo. Ooh, he's got. I mean, Hito not shoot not it. the shooter. Yeah, not the shooter, but I like the cop. I like. But I like his mid range though, and you know, I do like that mid range. I'm always biased to Turkaloo because he drove the the Lakers crazy in those in those great early years, and like, like that just like it just hit in my stuck in my head like the a combo six ten. Kind of can shoot the three and can get to the rim. Those are interesting players. I don't think Avish is that, but if you're going to tell me Turgaloo, I mean, I don't think that's worth the two either, but I'm interested in that. I'm definitely interested in that. And I, I'm, I'm, I got to think of somebody else for, for, for Obi Toppin, though, because I cannot go with Amari Stoudemire for Obi Toppin. I'm saying that's the cop. That's the cop people say. That's what SVP said when he interviewed him. It's no guarantee he's going to be that guy, but I might be a little more bullish on Toppin. I really, I really like Toppin's game. I like it. I fear the defensive limitations. Man, he's good. But. He's going to produce. He is going to produce at the NBA level. It's just, you know, will he win? And Stoudemire was like was three years in the NBA at age 22, by the way, also. But ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last topic I wanted before we head out of here. Is there any other scenario that has caught your eye that you think is a good possibility that, you know, and I'm talking about a, a, a trade down where you get a rotation player and you also still get the 10th pick or whatever. Let me, like, tell, you, there... let me tell you about a man named Killian Hayes. No. <laughs> you could probably, where do you think he's going to go? Like seven, eight, probably. Like that sounds, seven. that sounds about right. I thought he was getting some real momentum because people were tuning into those games in Germany. And we're watching him, and he was really picking up some steam and making some plays, and then everything stopped. And so, to me, you know it almost who's feel- taking his shine? That Patrick Williams guy from Florida State. Yeah, like he seems to be rising, rising up the boards. Both those guys, I have no idea with both the wings out of Florida State how good they are, where they should go. It's, um, I mean, obviously uh, Williams is the less polished one, but the one with more athletic potential. But it's another one of those, you're projecting it, you're imagining it, and I don't know if I've seen enough. I mean, he is like prototypical athletic wing, defensively especially. And so there's there's something there. I wouldn't, dis, I wouldn't dismiss it, I guess is what I'm saying. I see that when Hollinger threw that Bulls trade proposal out there, I, per- I hadn't even thought anything like that. Well, it, I would be surprised yeah. Chicago would do. Yeah, I mean, if the, I'm not a Wendell Carter guy, but he's not a bad. I mean, he would fit with the Warriors. He'd play five with the Warriors, and you know, could scrape up some rebounds. Could be a little, little bit of a, a of a you know pick and dive guy. Take some minutes, uh, you know, at the four two. And if they could pick him up and get the four, what what is it? The four, yeah, the yeah, four, be, and they just could draft, back two slots. Yeah, and get a Vija or Toppin or I mean, it, those guys at yeah at four that Okoro. I guess Halliburton's way above Okoro now. I like Okoro better. Well, you like, get your choice basically. Yeah, is the, the appeal yeah. if you go to four, you get your choice of anybody beyond in that those second top tier. Three. Yeah, in that second tier, and and I like that. I don't know if that's possible, but. I like that move for them. If they could do that, I think they would have be having a very nice night. Very nice. Patrick Williams, I mean, what concerns me is he, he played 22 minutes a game in the ACC. You know, how, how quickly am I taking you from 22 minutes a game in the ACC to making an NBA contribution for a contender? That seems that seems like it's a that's a long bridge to cross. So that's one thing that. But you're ready to put Killian Hayes right in there. <laughs> hey, Killian Hayes is like the lead guard of his team in a league that's better than the ACC. So I'm just saying. I know Nate Duncan is killing his right hand, and that, that also gives me some pause. But this is a draft of flaws right here. You know, there's no sure thing on the board, which is why it's so interesting to discuss. I say trade the 2021 Timberwolves pick. I love that idea now. The more I think about it, like you're betting, your teams are betting on on the come on that, and the Warriors can get something for it. And you know, you don't know what it's going to end up. You get something solid for it. You use your two, or you move back for to the four, and you have a, a young veteran that way and the pick this season. That's not terrible. Unless you got a sparkling deal right now, I'd hold off because, you know, I think Bradley Beal might be available at the deadline. I think. You know, we talk about some of these other stars who might come available. And what if the Wolves start the year 10 and 30, and then suddenly you're like dangling that thing. And and I would sell them because they are perceived, I think, as better than they are because they're more offensive than defensive. And we always forget about defense. But their defense, I mean, their defense has got to be. They've got Towns and Russell, you know? <laughs> 
And maybe LaMelo Ball. That'd be all great. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, Anthony Edwards, too. <laughs> we're over an hour now, so I'm going to I'm gonna end this thing. But next week, we're not only talking draft preview. we got to talk free agent preview, entire offseason preview. Oh, it's coming back. Next week, all of it is going down next week. I mean, it's like I think Wednesday is draft Friday, I believe, Friday night or 3 p.m. our time, I believe, is free agency. And But they can't sign until the till the 22nd, right? Is it, there's still that moratorium. Yeah, but you know. I but mean, the deals will be breaking. Yeah, deals will be breaking. Yeah. No question. Big time. So, yeah, the Warriors, really two podcasts from now, we'll be talking about the Warriors roster, which, you know, we've theoretically – you know, talked about for eight months now, but uh, you know, it's gonna come together. So ah, uh, let's let's take some time off. Let's let's not you know, let's let's wave it all off. Who 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 cares about stuff actually happening? Let's take. No, we're Christmas actually vacation. gonna have podcasts. We're gonna have podcasts. Talk to you all next Tuesday. See ya.